thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be reasonable. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Sits and sieves, captains and commanders, you're tuned to the guard frequency. And as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 170 of the Best Damn Space Sim podcast ever, and was recorded on Friday, June 2nd, and made available for download Tuesday, June 6th, over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Ostron. I'm Kinchato. And I'm Jeff. And in the audio booth, making sure we have an authentic handcrafted experience is none other than the artisanal master himself, Sean, a.k.a. So, what do we have in store this week, Jeff? In this week's Squawk Box, we find out what my son Parker's been probing, or something. Next, we see what news from your favorite space sims has landed as we cover... Beacon Navigation, an item 2.0 system in Star Citizen, and we discuss the recent developments with the Thargoids in Elite Dangerous. Finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on with the show and see what's coming through the squad Crypter, 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 this is Jeff saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. In honor of the re-release of the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's album, we are dedicating this squawk box to the sun. Okay, that doesn't even make sense. Here Comes the Sun wasn't even on Sgt. Pepper's album, and we're going to the sun. It's not coming to us. Anyway, Lennon, you digress. NASA unveiled and named the Parker Solar Probe. The probe's first unique feature is that it's named after a living individual. Eugene Parker is a professor emeritus at the University of Chicago and is renowned for basically discovering the science of solar winds. Solar winds are one of the things that Parker Probe will be focusing on studying. The probe is designed to head for the sun and uses gravity assist from orbiting Venus to narrow its orbit around the sun. Eventually, it will be making up the 24 orbits of the star at an average distance of 3.7 million miles, 5.8 million turnips in metric. For comparison, Mercury orbits the Sun at a comfortable 36.8 million miles. The Parker probe is getting so close that it will be effectively within the Sun's corona. In order to withstand the heat, the probe has a 4.5 inch thick carbon composite heat shield that can stand up to the extreme heat of the sun and not deform or degrade when cold. Eventually, it will be zipping around the sun at about 200 kilometers per second, which is still slower than most of the fighters in Star Citizen or Elite, but it's pretty damn impressive for the modern tech. The ultimate mission of the probe is essentially be a weather satellite. It will be observing patterns of the sun's corona and solar winds to help scientists better understand solar behavior and to help predict potentially disastrous events. Well, that was pretty cool. I like the fact that it's got four-inch thick armor. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, just, just measure that with your hands. That's, that's, a, that's a slab of beef going up into space right there. I didn't look too deep into it, but I wasn't sure if the plan was to have the probe orbit Venus to sort of get its velocity up and then fling itself at the sun. <laughs> Children of the sun? 
we could have gone through everybody's Apple playlist and just you know sorted out where those everybody's uh, son. You know, black hole sun. Oh, there you, know, you go. That's where I was going to go. You're going, yeah. There you go. No, um, no. I think I think they're going to launch it into an orbit, and then use uh, Venus's a gravity assist to to squeeze the orbit down. Uh, it just basically to to bleed off. That's actually a maneuver. I'm trying to remember what the slingshot, uh, the gravity slingshot for a planet is. There is some, there is a specific maneuver. It's called. Yeah. Well, it, it, the gravity assist thing can be used to either speed up or slow down, depending on how you slow down. Uh, how you, well, I mean, you can, you can do both. It, how you approach? How it. you approach it exactly. Yeah. So uh, they're going to. I, I think that they're going to not so much speed up or slow down as just change vector, which is speeding up in one direction and slowing down in another. Uh, so I think, but yeah, but they're going to use those orbital mechanics to 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 shape the orbit properly, so that it uh, makes the passes at the right distance that the probe is designed for. It's basically a giant Kerbal Space Program problem. So you think this will find its way into the Kerbal Space Program? <laughs> oh, sure. I, I am interested to know how heavy this particular probe is compared to um, past ones. Because, like, like you said, it's, it's, it's a much thicker much thicker shield than you would typically have. So it's, it, it, in theory, is potentially much, much heavier than, than you, for instance, a, a, a Viking probe or something like that. It's got to be heavy. Because um, what I, I read, it wasn't, it didn't, I don't think it showed up in this article, but I read they were using the uh, the biggest Delta rocket that they've got, the Delta four or five, whatever, and they need that third stage booster to really just just blast it into uh, into orbit, into the right orbit. Uh, launch mass is six hundred and ten kilograms. Kilo, what? Really? Only six hundred and ten kilograms, huh? It's not as heavy as I would think. Maybe That's they tiny. brought the shield dry, up. Separately. Dry mass is five hundred and fifty five. Payload mass is fifty kilograms. Dimensions are one by three meters, uh, 2.3 meter heat shield. Power is 343 watts. Uh, it's not very big. It's a little, that's a little guy. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. sound right. Cause the, the article I saw said that the whole thing was 10 feet tall. Well, that might be the entire payload and fairing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that might be what perches at the top of the, of the rocket, but you know, it's 10 feet tall is three meters long. So I mean that right. that would be that would be about uh, that would be about right. Let's see. Yeah, if you got, and four and four and a half inches of that is is heat shield. It is made of carbon composite, which is always lighter than just. Yeah, it's not like they're. It's not like it's you know ballistic steel, but that's uh, that's it's pretty hefty. Um, yeah. Launch date is July thirty first, twenty eighteen. It's being carried by a Delta four. Yeah, Delta four booster. Yeah. What I find interesting is the planned mission is six years, 321 days, so almost a seven-year mission. I wonder how they're generating power on it, do they say? Because you couldn't really put a solar... Yeah, well, they do have a solar array on there, but it's going to expand and retract. Uh, this thing, I just happened to click on this article to get, confirm the uh, okay. size. Uh, it's going to uh, retract it as it approaches the sun and extend them as it retreats. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so that uh, and I, I, you know they'll have the nice big heat shield to tuck them behind. So I think that'll yep. be, that'll be that'll be interesting. Well, you know, it's good to go to the extremes, right? We just sent uh, the New Horizons probe out to the the cold black out past Pluto, and it'll approach its next target the next year or two. And so this the sun will be going into the into the hot spot uh, down there in the at the at the bottom of the well, and uh, hopefully give us some uh, good space weather reports. We haven't done a good space weather segment in a while yeah we got to do a good space yeah. weather segment once this thing gets under well, well let's make a note make a note of that 
Read, seen, or heard something that you might find interesting to others listening on the spectrum? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's see what news has hit the flight deck. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checkers green, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. With Star Citizen theoretically getting closer to release, many of the updates are becoming increasingly technical. Most of the updates CIG discussed this week had to do with tweaks to tools and engines that assist with work behind the scenes in the game, but there were a few tidbits that are more immediately comprehensible. The first tidbit we got concerned the proposed navigation beacon system. Players will be able to drop navigation beacons to establish custom routes and pathways through areas of space, and their frequencies, or some equivalent, can be shared with allies so that they can use the same routes. However, if they are discovered, they can be reprogrammed or their signal can be copied and sold to pirates or other undesirables. Their work on animation has resulted in nailing down some item encumbrance mechanics. Standing players in regular or zero gravity will be able to pick up 25, 50, and 75 centimeter crates and manipulate them. Crouched players will be able to do the same with 25 or 50 centimeters. Also, the maximum vertical reach of characters is 175 centimeters. No word yet on whether stools will be options for ship customizations. Turbulent is continuing work on a website redesign. The goal is to take all of the pertinent information about what Star Citizen is and how someone can begin playing and make that the most obvious and easiest thing to find on the site. There's also an introductory module being built as a guide for new players. It's designed to be easily replaced so it can be updated as the game evolves without redoing the whole site in the process. On the Spectrum side, 0.3.5 should be out by the time you hear this. The much-requested toggling of nested versus chronological display on form topics is in place, along with visual tags that track what a user has already seen on the forms. Upgrades to searching and loading performance are also coming with the update. The larger part of Around the Verse focus on the developers' efforts to convert all of the ships to using the Item 2.0 system. The upside is that the new item system apparently makes the component integration function more logically. There is also pre-programmed interaction points that allow the interaction options to be more contextual. So the door won't simply say use, it will actually say open or close depending on its state. That's a simple example, but when scaled up, it makes it easier for the game to handle swapping components. This will also open the door to having active jobs for crew members on the ship beyond manning the turrets. The downside, however, is that nearly every aspect of existing ships has to be revisited at the code level. The ship systems have to be converted to be compatible with the new components. The damaged states of the ship now have to consider and incorporate how the new item systems function, and the new objects have to be synced up with animations so they behave correctly on screen. CIG says that every department is involved in the effort, and that building a ship from scratch is a walk in the park by comparison. As mentioned in the beginning, much of the discussion got into the weeds of programming and code level adjustments that were hard to summarize. Those interested should check out the original presentation on Around the Verse, which will be linked in our show notes. So, on the positive end of the news, I did like their discussion of how the navigation beacon mechanics are going to be set up. I like the idea that you can find, you know, some corporation or some group's navigation beacons and then either, like, use them yourself or, you know, hijack them or 
um, sell the information to somebody who wants to intercept them. I think that opens up a lot of yes, potential. Yes, but how much yeah. do they cost and how much do I allocate per, you know, org member and there's a whole bunch of, you know, you just can't go throwing these out willy-nilly. Well, yeah, you don't, but they didn't really detail yet what exactly you actually need them for. So I, you can see someone dropping a virtual uh, breadcrumb in order to let, uh, in order to lead like a large group of ships around or something like that. But for, you know, a small explorer or something like that, they didn't, re but besides needing maybe a couple to mark some interesting places, they didn't really say what you need these for. And uh, I think that will be key as to whether um, their cost or or whether their expendability is is a big deal. Well, I imagine the game probably won't have an easily translatable coordinate system. So, like, you probably will have a hard time trying to get to a location and then use some sort of sensor to determine where on galactic coordinates you are and then transmitting those numbers back. My guess is you would instead drop one of these beacons, and then if you're trying to tell somebody to go here or find it, you just say, oh, go to this system, set your sensor or communication to pick up this beacon signal, and that's where you need to yeah, go. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. I mean, like, you'd go to a, like, say you're in a mining guild, and you go to, you find a rich deposit of whatever, what, un unobtainium. And you drop a private beacon that only your guild can access, and then you tell you tell your guild guys, hey, you know, uh, there's a beacon here with this at it. And I, I could see that really easy, and you could do the same thing for a whole variety of deals. But uh, that again is very large corporate play or very large fleet fleet play on a, on like a day to day basis. I mean, Jeff's concern here is that you're going to need a lot of these things, and you know, is this actually a consumable that you're going to have to deal with? I don't see the, the, quite the case for that yet or whether the, the full use case we know is. Yeah. Uh, two things struck me, and one was the idea that yeah, this is a great way to solve the instancing problem. You drop into an instance with an asteroid or a shipwreck or something else cool, and as soon as you leave, it's gone. Um, but the beacon thing sort of solves that, and I think that's probably good. The, the, what, the one thing that's going to break my immersion, though, is that they have to design this right, is that these beacons need to be passive, not beacons, because otherwise they're just emitting a signal that anybody could find. And they're specifically saying that, you know, you can stumble upon these, but they're not things that you, you wouldn't you wouldn't design a beacon to just go off all the time saying, hey, there's something interesting here. And everybody would, you know, just drop in to see what's up. Uh, so if they design it so it, like it's a pingback kind of a thing where you broadcast a carrier signal, and if you have that carrier signal right, your your beacon will, will ping back and say, here I am, I'm the guy you're looking for. If they design it right, it'll be good. I, I thought about the same thing. I mean, you could deal with it kind of like um, the way we deal with GPS nowadays, right? Where the location data that the, the GPS is sending out is, is encoded in the signal. But unless you have the, an ability like the military to decrypt it, it's extremely inaccurate. So you may know there's a beacon in this quadrant of the system, but you're not going to know which asteroid it's at unless you have the uh, the, the, the de-encryption key or whatever in order to find the rest yeah, of the, it, the message. Yeah, that's packet. a problem on Earth where moving 100 miles takes time and energy, but in space, moving 1,000 miles or 1,000 kilometers to get the triangulation would be trivial. So you could actually, I mean, the, your sensors on your ship should be able to make a triangulation uh, uh, calculation yeah. just doing that on earth it, you, it's impractical to do that but but again the only the only reason that that is a okay the only way you're able to do that with a single ship is if the the, the signal is at a, is a constant strength right 
in uh, constant transmission. Right. If the signal r- fluctuates randomly, then it would take multiple ships receiving the signal in order to do a triangulation. See, so here we are. I hope they're listening. So here's a couple ways to solve the problem of it being a beacon. Well, first of all, taking a notation out of my book, everything I wanted out of my space sims I learned in Star Trek. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> I kind of see this as them uh, like doing, first of all, navigation in space can't be that hard if I can go set course to heading, you know, 213, engage. The beacons, I get more of the idea that being like a warning beacon or a nav point beacon where it just transmits on a common frequency that we're all listening in on. And as we approach, it gets louder and louder and louder and louder and so on and so forth. I mean, these are these are private nav points is what they are, right? Yeah. They should only be they're accessible. Like, they're nav points that only certain people can see. And honestly, you know, we're talking about the science of it. They don't actually have to explain the science. They just call it subspace hooey and say, yeah. you know, but yeah. no, you don't know what true. the subspace, no, no, no. subspace signature is. Don't do that. You gotta get the shield frequency <laughs> no, right. Well, every t- I mean, every game has a certain amount of the, you know, you say on obtainium, I say every game has the hand wavium things in it, right? I mean, yeah, but I mean, this is this is something that can, that is solvable both in fiction and in reality, and I think if you just give it, if they give it a little thought, the gameplay will be better because people will actually have to sort of think about it. There's already so many things like that in the game where they I know, just, but they don't have to do know, that on this. They could make it slapped real. on some techno babble. Well, that well, the problem is is a lar- large portion of these fun gameplay elements, as we have discussed before, they're 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 only fun if they're not realistic, right? Like dogfighters. Yeah, but space this one could stuff. be realistic and still be fun. Maybe. Brass ring, man. Reach for it. Reach for it, brother. <laughs> but, Tony, let's face it. There are a bunch of people in the Star Citizen community that are techno nerds. They, sure. Uh, and, and all the more power to them. So if they don't get this right. But then, by God, let's make sure they get this right. Let's 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 have marches. I want to let's have a petition drive. Let's have bake sales. Let's get this right. <laughs> I would. Just in the interest of playing devil's oh, no. advocate, I would point out that you're, you're all trying to fix a problem that we haven't actually... Which is the core <laughs> essence of this show. Yeah, right on. That's why, we why we're here, Ostron. It's what we do. <laughs> we love the game we're building, okay? Exactly. Well, on that note, what is worrying me is the part where they're talking about how the entire development team has now apparently been shifted over to doing the 100% conversion for this item 2.0 system. I think he meant 100% of the LA studio. I don't think he meant 100%. Or Austin or whoever it was. I don't think they meant every single person. There's a large number of people that I'm pretty sure are still working on Squadron 42 and the like. Well, yeah, but if this is supposed to be integrated system-wide, it might encompass Squadron 42. Because they were talking about, like, coordinating communication, which I assume would mean the remote offices. Yeah, but again, that's there's no reason, no way they have 300 people working on item 2.0. It doesn't make any sense. It sounded an awful lot like that. Well, I mean, it would be outside of the skill set of a certain number of the developers, because, like, you know, the art people aren't necessarily going to be involved. Stop stop drawing that concept art and get your ass over here (laughs) scripting. Those guys guys are fine. (laughs) What do you do? Bop floors? All right, let me teach you Visual C++ really quick, and then you get on this. Exactly. I'm sure it's a lot of people. We look at all of these ships they have in the the stable right now. And like half of the ships perform like crap because they're the old system. They don't work right, right? Like 
and, and progressive builds have like ladders stop working or like you like every other build you can't get into a gladiator you know weird things like that it's because they're all on the old system and they're having to keep back patching this stuff in the, them converting everything over to 2.0 once it's they don't have any this legacy code in there. I can see them this saving them a whole lot of time. I can see it being a lot better on our side. All these ships maybe start working and that the balance team can actually balance them now that they start working again, all sorts of things like that. Like there are some ships that have like old thrusters on them and you're like, well, why doesn't it turn? It's well, this thruster doesn't always work, you know, and things like that. It's silly, you know? So I, if in 3.0, everything is finally on this you know they've they've eliminated all this legacy stuff then hopefully development toward 3.1 3.2 3 whatever will go faster now because they don't have to deal with this backpatching crap which i i agree with i just don't know if this was planned for we will know shortly when they update their 3.0 schedule they have an ongoing active like weekly updated 3.0 schedule and you can go in there and see what all of the little bars are now and so if this, after, you know, the 6 TV where they said these things, if things start sliding out more, you'll know that maybe some of this stuff wasn't planned for. But my guess is that most of this is already in there. So on, on, on the crate thing, this kind of goes back to something we saw during the CitizenCon demo and the like, you know, where you're, they showed picking up crates and, oh, there's the cargo. I'm going to go pick this up and load them one box at a time into my freelancer. You know, never mind. It's going to take me like two hours to fill up my freelancer. I assume that this whole picking up crates and stuff is going to be a... Uh, no, I, I love the idea of it that you can actually, you know, you pick up a load of, of, of widgets at Space Station Zero and you go up into your hold and you see boxes of all your widgets. And if you want to, you can go pick up a box of widgets and put it in the other corner and things like that. I love that. But the, I, I'm, I'm still really concerned on what the day-to-day -day loading of this crap is. You know, obviously there's probably a way to click a button and pay an NPC to do it. But as someone who's probably on the, the piracy end of things, you know, if I <laughs> have to go oh. knock out like a freelancer oh. and like float over Now we see what this is all about. Oh. One box at a damn time to, oh. to put, in my, put in my colors. I really hope we have like loading bots or something <laughs> like that. So it, maybe maybe it takes five minutes, but I don't I, I think that the tedium of moving one box at a, at a time, you know, that would that would annoy the crap out of me. Okay, I'm done. This week's Star Citizen Community Question. What do you think about SIG's upcoming changes? Does item 2.0 sound like a good next step? Or do you foresee problems? Let us know what you think in our usual channels. Details in a bit. As Mulder and Scully used to say, the truth is out there. This week, a pretty monumental discovery has been made in Elite, colon, Dangerous. Advancing the Thargoid saga one step forward and giving us a bit more context with the unknown ships and the barnacles. Yes, they are back. What this means for the galaxy still isn't certain, but we have no doubt the coming weeks will be crucial for the elite, colon, dangerous scientific community. Reports have been cropping up all over the place of the recent Thargoid vessels orbiting planets, scanning the barnacles, and then leaving. The first reports on the Thargoid's new behavior were made by Commander McJams, who made a post on Reddit with several screenshot albums entitled, Well, That Happened, which I can totally see coming from Commander McJams. The screenshots show the activity the Thargoids are carrying out mostly step by step. So, if you've not managed to make your way over to the Maya system and want to see what happens, be sure to check out the links in the show notes. The events have also been corroborated by the in-game Canon Research Institute. The interaction these unknown ships are having with the barnacles is unclear, 
though it's speculated they may be refueling. Reddit user Ascensium, commander name unknown, also offers this bit of advice. Don't ram it, don't even bump it. This thing's shields rating is classified under WTF. The collision calculation will give you an absolutely whopping amount of damage, and it doesn't matter if you're in a 10k megajoule cutter. You will die. Also, this thing will disable your ship mid-flight, so be careful about boosting or moving toward the ground. Several commanders have already fallen victim to a non-consensual Thargoid-assisted litho-breaking procedure. Oh, that's gold right there. That's, wow. What is litho-breaking? Rocks. Am I an idiot? Rocks. Uh, the, the the rocks help bring you yeah. to a stop. Yeah, the... Litho is a prefix that yeah, means yeah. rocks. So that's yeah. right. so the, the Thargoids help you into the rocks, and that's how you slow down and explode. Yeah. So I, I've watched a number of these videos, and they, they are they are they're on the scary level is on par with the uh, the first time people got interdicted. There's people just driving around on an SRV, and I think I'm not real clear on the trigger, but I think if you just scan one of the barnacles, if you're on the ground in an SRV and you scan one of the barnacles on one of these trigger planets. That will basically trip the cutscene, and the thing comes down and starts eating or whatever it's doing to the barnacles. So, yeah, and your power goes out, and you're helpless, and you're stuck there. So, so do you expect that um, long term, one of the missions to defeat the Thargoids will be destroy these barnacles? I, if they're refueling, from could them? be. I mean, it's uh, the, all, the speculation could run rampant. I mean, it, it could be that you have to poison them if it's refueling. You know, you could do it. Just it could be anything. I think this whole Thargoid thing is way blown. I I don't think they see us. I think we're like ants to them. I think I think we're they're so far beyond us that they don't really even notice us. Then why were they scanning us? Well, I think that's the in fiction thing, and they're scanning us because they're they're just like oh we thought it was you, but it wasn't. It's like man, I eventually got to yeah. do something about all these ants in the kitchen, right? But I'm but yeah. you know, right now there's a burglar in the house, and so I'll I'll kill all the ants later. It may be something along those lines, but I, uh, I think that that may be the in-fiction reason. I think technically, elite dangers are still feeling their way towards how they want these encounters to go, and building the background tech to make it happen. I think that's there's a reason and there's an excuse. I think uh, we can sort out which one is which. But um, <laughs> they did say 2.4 would be more of a staggered release, quote quote. You're not going to get all the stuff right away, um, and so I have a feeling that they're building all this stuff. So they're building the background tech now to make a variety of scripted encounters happen, including maybe combat, and then they'll they'll roll those out sequentially as as the uh, season or whatever you want to call it goes. Right, because because there have been a number of reveals that were preempted right. by people like digging yeah, through or code and stumbling into a system. Like uh, there was one pu- uh, there was one puzzle I can't remember which one it was, but they had it all like set up, right? There was like li- listening posts that were supposed to give you triangulations and uh, stuff like that, and someone just found it. They're like, "Well, screw that! I guess we're moving that forward." And the Jacques station, uh, the Colonia station, that was supposed to jump to Beagle Point, and it got cattywampused, and that was supposed to be missing for a year or something like that. And somebody just warped in. Hey, hey, look what I found! Uh, so I think. This is what's going to be different this next time for the next major uh, update is that these these encounters, whatever it is they're setting up in the background, will be rolled out a little more in a staggered fashion. But man, it looks cool. People are using that camera system just to great effect for some of these videos. It just they just look, it just looks cool uh, when they zoom into all the different the pieces. The, the the pieces of the ship actually disconnect. So when, like when it goes spinning around and does all things, all, like, all those little pedals, does they pop off and they they bend and twist and stuff, and it's just 
it's really it's, it's gorgeous uh, when you when you look at it. So I'm, it's scary, pretty, and exciting. That's what she said. Well, thank you, Commander McJams. Our Elite Dangerous Community question. Have you seen the most recent Thargoid behavior? What's your theory on the next step in the invasion? Let us know through our standard channels. Details coming after feedback. But now it's time for news we didn't use. The Exploration Survival Space Game, The Long Journey Home, has released. The game's plot borrows a lot from Lost in Space, a trip to Alpha Centauri, gone horribly wrong, and a crew trying to get back to Earth, not including little Billy. Unfortunately, the reviews and descriptions suggest that it has a lot in common with No Man's Sky on release. CCP have announced a double XP weekend for EVE Valkyrie pilots. However, if you're listening to this show on Tuesday, you've already missed out. Sorry. I, Novi, have settled on the Vulcan vs. DirectX debate, and they're going with DirectX 12 for Infinity Battlescape. The publishers behind Grand Theft Auto have recently acquired Kerbal Space Sim. New features coming soon, including the ability to go bowling with your cousin. Now that we're all caught up with the latest news, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he mixes really well with sour cream, and that you can grow him in your backyard. But all we know is he's called the Chive, and he'll put together this week's feedback. A recap of last week's community questions. For Star Citizen, are more details making the Eclipse any more attractive to you? If you have one already, are you planning to use it yourself or with an organization? And for Elite Dangerous, have you taken a trip out to M67? Have you found a generation ship with some living, breathing people on it and can brighten Henry's day with the info? Eleanor Rebel writes in and says, The detail is still not exciting enough for me to open up my wallet and not sure why people are surprised by stealth. Does no one remember when Hornet Ghost was announced years ago, now stealth mechanics would work? Did people expect only one stealth ship? In general feedback, Ken from Chicago writes in and says, Love the hashtag Elite Dangerous hashtag Control Out Space 2017 winner hashtag Stardust. Though I'm a wee bit biased since my mother died a few years ago. Older adult emoji. What Older the hell adult is that emoji. Mean? I don't know what that is either. But he put he always puts a <laughs> winky face or something in there. So older adult emoji seems about right. That seems about right. Uh, I I like the show. I liked it too. And I, if if it has personal meaning for you, I think that probably uh, brings it up uh, several notches on on the on the list. I my favorite was Laser Cops. That one I thought was the best. Uh, it featured a Viper fighter chasing an SRV to the tune of some sort of like you know cop music, cop chase uh, uh, theme. So I. I, uh, from the 1970s. I really appreciated that one. That was my favorite. Preacher writes in and says, I believe in my heart that if Chris Roberts could make money by selling the Bikini Girls of CIG calendar, he would. If he could make money by charging every person a nickel for going to the website, he would. Now, that being said, it is his job. It is to make money to get this game made no matter what, and I personally do not have an issue with him charging $5 for something that people have been exploiting for a very long time. If it were me, I would make all ships non-transferable, and instead of gifting a ship, you 
gift a gift card with the amount on it, allowing the recipient to choose their own package anyway. I'm sorry for the rant, but because I'm ill, I'm going to use that as an excuse. Keep up the great work as usual, because there's some of us out here that truly do appreciate the hard work that you put into creating the show. Peace. Thanks, man. Sean Newboy writes in and says, Excellent job, everyone. I, for one, like having the skits at the front. Gives me a chance to get in sync with whatever else I'm doing beforehand. Megazin writes in and says, On your About Us page, there's not a single mention of Elite Dangerous. And your logo is basically basically an edited SC logo. I like the Cobra background, though. By the way, I enjoyed your podcast. Well then, I'll have to task well, Lennon with that with some some updates immediately. I think the logo is more Star Trekky than it is Star Citizen. Well, yeah, the origin of the logo was the Star Citizen four pointed star, but the four pointed star in Star Citizen also has the olive leaf crest around it. In the podcast favicon the tiny podcasting there it lennon cobbled that together in like an hour when we first started and it is basically just the star citizen logo stuck in the middle with our waves and, and shot lines on it we've 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 morphed a little since then and now it's a more generic four-pointed star with the waves and the shot lines four-pointed star you'll also find in the elite dangerous uh federation flag if you'll notice so it's you know it's it's, it's a crossover it's a crossover there, but we do need to uh, change the about us page. I'll I'll speak with the web the web hosting badgers. There may be weasels in charge of the the web. I can't remember. It's some other kind of rodent. And 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 to speak to the outdatedness of the web, I don't think I'm even on the website at the moment, other than occasionally mentioned in the, pa- the oh the pages oh right themselves. yes that's a terrible oversight and we should definitely fix that immediately. It shouldn't we, Jeff? Shouldn't we, Jeff? Um, yes, I'm, I'm making a note of that, too, as well. <laughs> we should probably find a way to score that against him on his personnel review as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Failed to seeks, notify us that he wasn't seeks on the... Personal, yeah, seeks personal uh, acknowledgement. Yeah. Okay. I just want people to be able to fly with me. Like, I read the whole fly with me thing, and now I'm, I'm, I'm essentially lying because my handle isn't on the website. It's not? My no. gracious, I let, we've let Lennon slide far too much with this whole getting married thing and being in another country. His performance review is due to our new patron this week is... Oh, man. Come on, guys. Aw. Let's Patreon up a little bit here. You know you know what'll help? Brand new patches, which got yes. sent out this week. So All right. uh, everyone should be getting new patches uh, and, and a personal letter from me uh, inside the patch package so we'll have those out shiv will have a supply of those and be able to send them out to our patrons or loyal patrons uh, he he has a drawing quote quote for them every week but that basically just means he sends out a patch a week to anybody that uh contributes at the minimum level so uh that's a dollar 25 an episode so that gets you the raw recording and it gets you uh, a patch you just have to wait your turn uh to get it uh, shiv sends out one every week so and this week's community question what do you think of CIG's upcoming changes? Does item 2.0 sound like a good next step, or do you foresee problems? And have you seen the most recent Theragoid behavior? What's your theory on the next step of the invasion? Woohoo! Drop us an email, a tweet, or a comment on our show post, which you'll find on our website and over on our Facebook page. So, how was the show? Were we an interesting new sight to behold, or did we shut down your engines and make you crash into a planet? Either way, let us know. Here's how you can get in touch with us. Why not leave us a comment on this show's post over at GuardFrequency.com? 
Or you could hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak and leave a comment and like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. You can also use the contact form on our website and all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Your feedback is an important part of what we do. So take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 170 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 171 on June 11th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com. But that's not all. You can also subscribe to our shows at feeds.GuardFrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should come over and join us at 10 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency Live over at Twitch.tv forward slash guard free do you like what we do want to help make the best damn space sim podcast ever drop us an email over at squawk at guardfrequency.com and you can also support the show by visiting our website clicking on that patreon logo and becoming a regular subscriber for just a buck 25 a week you get access to the raw recordings of our live shows some guard frequency goodies and the patch and an invitation to our private Elite Dangerous Flight Group. We want to thank all of our Patreons who support us with their subscriptions week on week, and we hope that you'll consider making a regular contribution, because the more support we can get, the better show we can make. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? We're active in most space sims and would love to have you join us. Check out our website and look under the call sign section for details on how you can fly with us. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. They cover all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out over at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Our thanks go to Community Manager Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artists Ben Sanders and Simon Charlton Edwards, our staff writer Jace Pentad, and of course our audio engineer Mikey. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty long. Reduce thrust. The probe is designed to head for the sun and uses gravity assist from the orbiting Venus. From Mega. the probe is designed. It's four and a half inches thick, baby. That's what she said joke, really? Really? I thought our podcast <laughs> was a little higher class than that. A little bit. Not much. It must have been pretty heavy to lift into orbit, if you know what I mean. If you know what I mean. You know, don't, don't put that between you and a corona. <laughs> something yeah if you get in four and four and a half inches of that is is heat shield go ahead go ahead kinsho go ahead go ahead <laughs> that's what she said yeah, okay there it is all right yeah it will also open the door you will also open the door without having actually what am i reading this wrong this he's using open the door as a metaphor here rather than an actual example yeah which uh, again is also strange thanks Lennon. actually this was thanks me, so <laughs> no problem. Those interested should check out the original presentation oh, oh, on Around the Verge. One more time. Didn't sound good. <clears throat>
those interested should check hey, hey Jeff, out. you know that, that Tony is a dick tone that you get sometimes? <laughs> I caught a whiff of that right there. You want to you back up and try to just, just one more time. Just it's a keen ear. That is a keen just ear. Just one more time. It's, it's, a, it's practice. I've heard it before. Not just from yeah, him. Yeah. A lot from him. Yeah. But not just from him. Yeah. And it was, and it was so subtle. It's so it just, it's just a sprinkling. It's just, a, just, 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 just touch, just a dash. Tony has been my my uh, sidekick for a long time. He knows me well. Wait, wait, who's the sidekick? <laughs> you can be my wingman anytime. The first reports on the Thargoids' new behavior were made by Commander McJams. <sighs> I'm sorry, I can't say that with a straight face. You mean the noble and resplendent Commander McJams? The highly respected pilot, Commander McJams? Yes. He beats beatboxes with Harry Potter. That's right. Okay. Ken from Chicago wrote in and said... Oh, wait. Hashtag Stardust. Though I'm a wee bit blasted since my mother died a few years ago. (laughs) Yeah, that... Yeah, that... No. Our deepest and sincerest apologies, Ken from Chicago, if you're listening to the Patreon raw version or you know, the blooper reel. Like, this well, is probably going to end the blooper mic, reel. That must have been your mic or something that, you know, it, no, it kind of sounded like That was me robo. misreading. That's absolutely true. Wow. No pressure. You're taking a chance with the quality of the show here. Is this a sing-along time? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. I'm not going to stop you. That'd be good radio. When you're sitting at the table, time enough for counting. All right. We can't do this too long or we'll get banned on Twitch. <laughs> Drop us an email over at Squawk. Dark frequency. Dark frequency. That's what she said.